So good morning. Okay. Um, this morning we're looking at um, Nehemiah 6. We're gradually working our way through um, this book. And Stuart spoke brilliantly a couple of weeks ago um, about Nehemiah 5 and all that happened when Nehemiah really saw what happens with injustice. Um, and this morning we're actually going to be looking at how God's people that is all of us, um, can live with integrity even under intimidation. So I'm fully aware that obviously some people have been out at Children's Church or not here over various weeks. So we're going to get a sort of quick run through of the previous five chapters. Um, basically, the people of Israel have been in exile. They have been out of their country and oppressed elsewhere for a long time at this point. Some have returned to build the temple and to live in Jerusalem. Um, and Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king, not locally, but in exile. And he heard about what was going on in Israel. He heard about what was going on in Jerusalem. And he got a heart for what was breaking God's heart. He understood that actually Jerusalem being broken down was actually breaking God's heart. And so he prayed, he fasted, and he spoke up. And God sent him back to Jerusalem with the blessing of the king. Don't forget that. It was with the blessing of the king. He then saw the city was ruined, and everybody helped, whether it was their job or not. Men, women, children, priests, leaders, all sorts. Everybody helped, pretty much. There were a few exceptions, but everyone was available to help. They then faced opposition, and it slowed that work down, but it didn't stop it. But that opposition actually made them work together better. Then we come to chapter 5, where Nehemiah saw injustice. Injustice was brought before him, and he could see what was going on. And he had an emotional response to that. He then paused and then he acted. And he saw and felt God's heart again. And he acted under that, on, on that under God's guidance. And justice came. God brought that justice in a completely miraculous way. Um, and we saw people being released from financial burdens. And they were freed from slavery. So that's where we come to now. We come to Nehemiah 6. I'm going to read the first 16 verses. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though at that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Okay, so the city's still indefensible at this point. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. So he was, he was being encouraged to leave what God had asked him to do and to get distracted. So what's going on here? Form of opposition. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. Each time I gave them the same answer. Then the fifth time, Sambalat sent his assistant to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter. 
in which was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true. Doesn't this feel like rumours and accusations that we hear today? That you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come let us meet together. Feels a bit blackmail-y to me, that one. Nehemiah said, I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. He gave a straightforward denial. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. This is Nehemiah's response to threats. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, and the son of Mehetabel, who was shut in at his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they're coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he'd prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He had been given, he'd been hired to intimidate me so I would commit a sin by doing this. And then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my Lord, my God, because of what they've done. Remember also the prophet, Noadiah, and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Bit of context for that. This wall was four kilometers, two and a half miles long. 12 meters or 40 feet high. Average thickness, two and a half meters thick, or that's 8.2 feet. And if it was the point where he's saying, okay, it's finished today, he would have started on the 22nd of December. It's not very long for a massive amount of work. This is how determined they were, even when some of that time, they were kind of half and half working and defending. This is the power that God had given them and the heart and the the fire that was in everyone's bellies about getting this work done. So now, what we're seeing, chapter 6, that they're actually facing more opposition, but this time it's a different tactic. This time the attack is against the leader, not against the followers. And I think they kind of hoped that the followers would just fall away. If you attack the leader, you know, get them out of the way. If the leader fails and the followers will fall away. It wasn't so much physical threats. It was actually much more of a social media threat this time. When it says an unsealed letter in verse 5, that's rather like posting it round that anybody can see, but without you actually being the one shown holding it up. An unsealed letter in that time was a way of spreading rumours. It was a way of saying... This is what is going on without actually putting your name to it in the same way. I'm not spreading the rumours. I'm passing the letter on because, you know, I've sent the letter. But actually, the fact that you happen to see it as well and that you hear what was in that letter 
is not my fault. It's kind of what that unsealed letter means. And basically they were trying to get the authorities to step in. And they'd, they'd actually done something fairly similar to Ezra, who'd come back from exile to rebuild the temple. And it actually had stopped the temple rebuild for a while. So they, they, they did that. They also tried to get Nehemiah to hide in a kind of religious place. Make it look good. Make it look like he was doing something that was godly. But the thing is that Nehemiah listened to God rather than listen to people. And he recognized God's leading. The attackers, we have to ask, you know, why are they, why are they bothering? The king has sent him back. He's got the king's approval despite what they say in their open letter. Do they feel insecure? Do they feel worried? Do they feel their position is being threatened? There were different people from different areas around. It was a combined attack. This wasn't something that Nehemiah was facing from one person. This was from lots of different fronts. They tried to get him out of the city. They tried to spread lies in that open letter. They attacked him as a person, his motivation, his actions. They kind of blackmailed him and threatened him. They appealed to religion. Basically, they were trying to make him trust himself or make him feel like he should force God's hand by going and hiding in the temple. But what we see is that Nehemiah was a person of integrity. He was a person of prayer. He honoured the king whilst still seeing that king's authority as being delegated from God. He honoured God more. And he had achieved a lot at this point. You know, because if that's 52 days start to finish, they'd already had, this is the second bout of opposition. And yet, you know, this is where he'd actually managed to achieve. He had discernment. He could see what was going on in people's hearts and minds when they were being deceitful. He prayed for strength due to opposition. He didn't get drawn in to arguing specific points. He held on to what was true. He saw that he had delegated authority from God and he discharged that um, responsibly. responsibility. Is this part of what it means to be a person of integrity? How does this work for us? When we feel under attack, what do we tend to do? We often try and defend ourselves, try and get people on our side. We might try and attack those that are attacking us. We might hold our hands up and say, actually, I was wrong. We might tell the truth. We might seek revenge for the damage to our reputation. We might leave and run away. So all we're going to do is look at actually, well, what did Nehemiah do? In verse 8, he stated the truth. Didn't try and fluff it up. He didn't try and add to it. He didn't try and kind of justify it. He just said, that's not true. This is what's true. And left it at that. And I don't know about you, but I, 
I always want to sort of say more. I want to justify myself. He didn't. He actually just let his actions speak. He let those words of truth just speak. Nothing like what you're saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. And he left it. The next verse, it says, but I prayed. So his response to that attack was to state the truth and then to pray. And actually this was even in the midst of physical threats. He kind of wanted to look for this and he wanted to pray. Strengthen my hands, yeah, he prayed. He then kind of listened for discernment. You know, it's difficult when you've just been told your life is on the line. And probably very few of us have actually been in that position in our own lives. But when you're told, this is going to fall apart, that is going to fall apart, this is going to be great, that's going to be awful. We often don't sit and listen. We kind of just act. Or maybe that's just me. But actually... Nehemiah, he listened out for discernment. He listened to what God was saying. He listened for what God's heart was. He says in in verse uh, 11 and 12, I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He saw behind what was going on. And then verse 14, he handed them over to God. He didn't call for retribution. He just says, I hand them over to you. And remember them, basically. And how often, again, when someone has hurt us, when someone has come against us, when someone's done something to us, do we then feel like we want to say, can you just squash them a bit, God? Or... You know, can you make sure they don't succeed? Or can you make sure, you know, we kind of try and say what we think should happen. And he actually just says, remember them, God. And leaves it to God to deal with stuff. Leaves it for God to deal with other people. He doesn't pass judgment on them. He just actually hands them over to God. And I think this is really difficult to do. When someone has actually come against us and come against us and hurt us or hurt people that we know or people that we love, it's actually sometimes very difficult to just say, actually, God, I am letting them go. He's actually forgiving them because that's kind of what forgiveness means. I'm not holding this against them. I'm handing them over to you, God, for you to do what you feel is right. Hundreds of years later, on a cross, outside Jerusalem, we see Jesus saying, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus did the same thing. This is what people of integrity do. And actually, when Jesus did that, at least one person immediately was saved when that centurion saw who Jesus really was. You know, 
And we have all been forgiven over that 2,000 plus years since. Are we actually prepared to turn around and do what Nehemiah did, to do what Jesus has done and hand people over to God when they've hurt us, when they've come against us, when they have deliberately hurt us? Are we prepared to say, actually, God, they're your problem, not mine. (laughs) You deal with them as you want to. And we know that God forgives. We know that God loves and he will always deal with people as his children. That's something I don't have the strength to do. If someone has hurt me that badly, I don't have the strength in me naturally to treat them as my children and love them like that. But God does. So if I hand them over to him, I don't have to do that in that sense. But I also don't have to hold on to that hurt. I don't have to hold on to that, that pain that comes from that. And I suppose really what I'm asking this morning is that for us, if we are going to be people of integrity, do we state the truth? Or do we try and add to it? Do we try and justify ourselves? Do we try and stretch the truth a bit? Do we try and only give this part of the story and we'll ignore that little bit of the story? Or actually, are we living those lives of integrity that means that we can actually just say, this is what's true? Do we pray when people come against us And whether that is justified or unjustified, it is very difficult to do that. And it's something that over the years I've had practice in. Don't want practice in these things, but, you know. And sometimes I have managed to pray for people, and sometimes I have not. But actually, when I have prayed for people, it's easier for me to let them go, to let that hurt go. Do we listen to God for discernment? Do we actually come to him and say, I don't know what's going on here. None of this is making sense. That sounds like a sensible thing. Let's go run to the temple because my life is in danger. Are we listening when things are coming against us to actually be able to hear what God is saying to us and to be able to spot that person's heart is not actually saying what God is saying are we listening for those things and sometimes it's really hard to do on your own particularly when you're hurting but actually to go to someone else that you trust and say can you pray with me about this Because this is what I'm hearing, and yet it doesn't kind of sit right. It doesn't feel right. Something's off. Do you think this is actually something from God or not? Is this something that I actually need to to stand up against? And do we hand over those who would hurt us to God? Or do we try and put our own unsealed letter back? 
or do we try and just avoid them because otherwise we might get hurt again and it is true that is, that is a risk but on the other hand actually my place is not to judge somebody my place is to just ask God to remember them so that's so that's what's really been on my heart this week is that actually as as we live our lives are we living lives like Nehemiah as a person of integrity do we just state the truth are we able to do that do we pray do we listen to God for that discernment do we hand those who would hurt us over to God allow him to deal with the situation during groups this week or there are questions on the website attached it would be really good to actually chat with other people to pray about some of these things and actually ask, you know, ask yourself where is this really tough in my life and you know, actually ask others to pray with you um, and, and actually are we praying for our church leaders are we praying for our national leaders are we praying for our family leaders are we praying for our, national, uh, for our work leaders whoever those people are you know and I think these are things that we need to think about that can come up from this actually are we, are we doing these things or not